Welcome to The Bid, where we break down what's happening in the markets and explore the forces changing investing. I'm your host, Oscar Polito. We're continuing our mini-series on our outlook for 2021. Today, part two, the stock market. After a dramatic year of volatility, the U.S. stock market ended 2020 at record highs. Can this momentum continue this year? Tony Despirito, Chief Investment Officer for U.S. Fundamental Equities, joins us to talk about why he believes it can. We'll talk about what the vaccine news means for markets, what trends he sees shaping the year ahead, and where he's looking for investment opportunities. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today on The Bid. Thanks, Oscar. It's really a pleasure being here. So, Tony, the U.S. stock market closed out 2020 at record highs. And in fact, it's early in 2021, but already the market is hitting new all-time highs. But just going back to last year, the S&P finished the year up more than 16%. And that's after a year of a lot of market volatility. So how did that happen? And did it surprise you how well the stock market did last year? Well, it's an understatement to say that 2020 was an extraordinary year. And I'll confess, I wouldn't have expected the market to end up as high as it did. But I think in retrospect, it's quite explainable. And the way I put it is, you know, a typical recession is related to the economy overheating. And these recessions kind of sneak up on you. This one was way more akin to a natural disaster, almost like an earthquake. And that speed had multiple implications. One was just the recession was just very steep very quick. But the offsetting factor there was policymaker response was extremely quick and aggressive. And usually policymaker responses are slow. And so we had really record fiscal monetary stimulus. It wasn't just the US, it was global. So it was swift and coordinated action. And that's really what saved the market in 2020. And so towards the end of the year, we obviously got very positive news with respect to the vaccine. And I think that really gives the market a clear path to the reopening of the economy. And we're also starting to see corporate earnings recover. And you saw that in third quarter earnings. I would expect to see more of that going forward. And then rates, right, which is obviously related to monetary policy, are at historical lows. And that has really helped drive markets upward. It's driven the PE multiples of the market upward. And by PE multiples, what I mean is basically a way in which we as investors can judge whether a stock is cheap or expensive. And so that's been a very positive driver as well. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that even you were a bit surprised at how well the stock market did last year, but you noted the response from policymakers. You also touched on the vaccine, which is starting to become more available to the public. So are these the reasons why you think this momentum in stock prices can continue in 2021? Or are there other things that you would point to as well? Yeah, so definitely the vaccine is very important, right? It tells us the reopening of the economy. It's a matter now of when, not if. Also, typically, as we come out of a recession, you see margin expansion at companies. They find ways to save money and retain those savings. And so I think we could have real upside from corporate earnings this year. I also think we have to watch market internals. In other words, investors need to be on the lookout for a change in leadership. The vaccine and the reopening of the economy should be very good for cyclicals and for value stocks. And when I say cyclical stocks, what I mean are stocks that vary with the economy. 
think things like housing as opposed to more stable or staple-like stocks like food. And so that's really the difference between cyclicals and non-cyclicals. So meanwhile, many, but not all, of the 2020 winners are going to face difficult comparisons. And so I think that will be another factor driving 2021. Notwithstanding the more positive news around the vaccine, the fact that it's becoming more available, and you mentioned the economy's reopening, but the truth is we're also seeing lockdowns in certain parts of the world. We have colleagues in London, for example, I know that are dealing with pretty strong lockdowns in their part of the world. So is that a risk? I mean, last year when we saw lockdowns, the global economy really sort of shut down, but are we better prepared this time around as the economy to navigate this? And, and therefore, are markets going to look past this a bit more than they did in 2020? You know, I think they will. So I think it's a risk, but I think it's one the market can look through. We're getting smarter and more targeted in our lockdown strategies. And like I said earlier, the vaccine tells us that the reopening of the economy is really a question of when, not if. And we also see policymakers that are continuing to be supportive. We just got a $900 billion stimulus bill in December. And now that the Democrats have control of both chambers of Congress, I think that's supportive for further fiscal measures. So yes, this second or third wave of COVID, it's a risk. But again, I think it's one that's not going to be a big deal for markets. So going back to the stock market, Tony, what trends did you see emerge in 2020? I think while we touched on the fact that stocks hit all-time highs, it's fair to say that not every stock hit an all-time high. There were definitely sort of winners and losers within the stock market. So just curious what you saw from your vantage point. Well, without a doubt, 2020 changed our lives profoundly. And some of these changes are permanent. Some of them are temporary. And some of them are a little bit of both. And certainly the role that technology has played in our lives has greatly accelerated. And I think that continues to hold. And so that's a trend I see continuing, maybe at a slower rate than 2020 for sure, but a continuing trend. On the flip side, brick and mortar retail was on a path to slow decline and COVID accelerated that. And we've seen a large number of permanent store closures and those stores aren't going to reopen. Something like travel and leisure, I think that's more mixed. Certainly that sector was shut down in 2020. I see a lot of pent-up demand there going forward. Once we're all vaccinated, I think we should see that industry boom on the leisure side. Now, on the business side, it's going to be more mixed. We'll see some recovery in business travel. But I think we've all learned that video conferencing can replace not all, but much of face-to-face meetings. So that's a little bit more of a mixed outlook. And then... When I look purely on the investment side, I think this trend in ESG investing is really interesting. ESG investments clearly outperformed in 2020. COVID also taught us how important it is to have a healthy respect for nature. And those two combined really accelerated the interest in ESG-friendly investing. And I think that's here to stay. And that has real implications for investors because companies that have good ESG characteristics will experience a lower cost of capital and higher PE multiples as investment dollars continue to flow into that space. So I think that's a big issue going forward for investors. So you mentioned some of the areas that were winners, technology, you touched on more sustainable assets or ESG assets, but you also touched on the areas that suffered, brick and mortar services, certainly hotels, restaurants. Do you think that that disparity will continue or was that specific to 2020? I really think when I look out to 2021, I think we could see a year of rotation 
I see a much better year for value investing as the economy reopens. Some of those most deeply depressed cyclicals have a big earnings recovery that I would expect, and therefore their stock prices should recover as well. I really like sector-wise banks and energy as great examples of that. Now, I think as an investor, it's important to pursue a barbell strategy. On one hand, invest in what's tried and true. And on the other hand, try to be opportunistic. So I think investing in those deeply depressed cyclicals, I would put in the opportunistic camp. So on the other side of that barbell strategy, I would put sectors like tech and healthcare. I think these are just high quality, long-term compounding businesses that grow. And so I think you always want to be exposed there, but you also want to have some of your portfolio in these more opportunistic sectors. And these opportunistic sectors, Tony, I think you touched on them as, I think you call them value stocks, right? I think that's important. Perhaps 2020, what comes to mind is that the more growth-oriented sectors, the high flyers did really well, but you mentioned banks and energy companies perhaps lag. So you're saying 2021 is when they start to play a little bit of catch-up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you look at prior recessions, that would be right in line with prior recoveries from recessions. So speaking of companies, we saw them pivot their businesses last year very much towards digital platforms, technology, and response to the virus. Certainly, you and I live that as employees at BlackRock. What's top of mind for businesses and companies in 2021? How might they continue to pivot their businesses, if at all? Yeah, that's a really important issue. Certainly, companies tried to do everything they could to conserve cash in 2020. But as you point out, Oscar, they had to spend on technology. Now, 2021 should be a year of much better cash flow for companies. I think they continue to spend on tech. The returns of that are very positive. But I also think we're going to start to see companies accelerate their buyback programs. A number of companies had to shut those down last year, and we're seeing them get restarted now. Also, given where rates are, I think we're going to see a boom in M&A, mergers and acquisitions. And both stock buybacks and mergers and acquisitions, that's going to be highly supportive to equity markets. So one more factor to add sort of that list of bullishness around 2021. I think this is an important point, maybe just kind of a follow-up question. So you're saying stock buybacks, dividends, you noted certain companies had to pause their dividend or greatly reduce it during the worst of the pandemic. So maybe just again, why is that important for investors that you think companies can start to direct some of their cash towards buybacks, towards restarting or increasing their dividend? What's the impact for the investor? Yeah. And so I think the impacts are different. From a buyback perspective, I think that's good for the whole market, right? Having an incremental buyer in the market just helps push stock prices up. From a dividend perspective, I think that's very important for investors who are focused on income. Without a doubt, we've seen a consistent and growing demographic need for income over time. And as our society has aged, and that hasn't changed, particularly with the baby boom heading into their retirement years. On the flip side, we're in a yield-starved world, and that's more true today than ever before. And in many cases, we see the yields from equities being higher than that on bonds. And of course, bonds are referred to as fixed income, Because the income is fixed. If you buy a 10-year bond, you get a fixed coupon over the next 10 years. And I would contrast with dividend payers, particularly dividend growth companies, where they should and are expected to grow that dividend over time. And so if a company can grow its dividend 7% a year, 
10 years from now, the income from that stock is double what it was. Now, last year, as you point out, we experienced as a market dividend cuts. And so dividend investing wasn't as fruitful in 2020 as it has been historically. That said, we're well past the dividend cut stage. That was really focused in late spring. We're now starting to see companies grow their dividend again. And so I think dividend investing, you know, looking to get income from equities is going to be a very interesting year for investors in 2021. It certainly has been a very punitive environment if you're looking for income in the market. Not only have bond yields gone down, but you mentioned then dividends took a hit last year, but they're coming back. So what sectors in particular do you see as providing that dividend growth? Is it some of the areas you mentioned before, like financials and energy stocks, there's more value-oriented areas, or is it more broad-based than that? So it is very broad-based. I think there's dividend opportunities in just about every sector. Although, again, I would come back to that barbell strategy and really highlight the dividend opportunity there. So on one hand, on that opportunistic side, banks and energy, those are some of the highest dividend yield stocks in the marketplace. I don't think they're going to grow a lot in 2021, but they're certainly going to provide a lot of ballast in terms of income. On the flip side, those more evergreen sectors like tech and healthcare, that's where you're going to see the best growth from right, from the high quality compounders. And I think you want to own both sets of companies in your portfolio. And Tony, it's still early in 2021, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the political backdrop in the U.S. We've already had a lot of news around the U.S. political landscape, the Senate results in Georgia. We obviously had events in D.C. that were unfortunate. How does that impact your view on the stock market for 2021, if at all? The big news I see is the results from Georgia because it gives the Democrats control over both houses of Congress. And I think it's almost like a Goldilocks from a political point of view, meaning that if you kind of look at the Biden agenda, there are puts and takes for the market on the agenda. I think you end up getting a lot more of the positives and maybe fewer of the negatives, which might be increased corporate taxes, for example. And so the positive being is that we have a much clearer path to fiscal stimulus with 51 Democratic votes effectively in the Senate. So I think that's the big implication. And I think that's actually pretty significant. And so that's a real positive for the market in 2021. And fiscal stimulus will lead to, in your opinion, then better economic growth. And that sounds like it ties into your view of corporate earnings are also improving. Fiscal stimulus will just serve as another impetus to that earnings stream. Yeah, and it really helps take the downside risk off the table, particularly of this wave of COVID that we're going through currently. So one last question for you, Tony, and it's one that we're asking all of our guests in our Outlook mini-series, which is what's the most important thing you're looking out for in 2021? So obviously macro was a huge driver in 2020, and we've talked a lot about macro, but I think micro is going to be really important in the upcoming year. And it's going to be about stock selection. And the key question I see on an individual stock basis for investors goes back to what we were talking about in terms of the changes brought about by COVID. And the question is, are those changes real and permanent versus temporary versus some of each, right? So there are clearly instances where COVID was a pull forward, if you will, of expenditure. If you look at TV sales, for example, right, we're all at home. So we all bought 
more TVs this year. Is that likely to repeat? Does that have long legs? No. In fact, that means we've really served pent-up demand for a couple of years. And so that's an area where it's very clear there was a pull forward of demand. And I think as we go through stock by stock, that'll be the key for investors in the upcoming year. And that's personally a market I really like because I think that's a market where fundamental investors can shine. Great, Tony. Well, we hope that your constructive outlook on 2021 actually is accurate and bodes for another good year for stock prices. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Bid. Thank you, Oscar. It was a pleasure. On the next episode of our Outlook miniseries, we'll talk about the geopolitical outlook for 2021 with Tom Donnellan, chairman of the BlackRock Investment Institute. And as a reminder, send us any ideas or feedback at thebid at blackrock.com. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by BlackRock, is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by BlackRock to be reliable and are not guaranteed as to accuracy or completeness. This material may contain forward-looking information that is not purely historical in nature. There is no guarantee that any forecast made will come to pass. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. Past performance is not indicative of current or future results. This information provided is neither tax nor legal advice, and investors should consult with their own advisors before making investment decisions. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and you may not get back the amount invested. In the U.S. and Canada, this material is intended for public distribution. In the U.K., this is issued by BlackRock Investment Management U.K. Limited, authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, registered office, 12 Throgmorton Avenue, London, EC2N, 2DL, telephone, plus 44020-7743-3000, registered in England and Wales, number 202-0394. For your protection, telephone calls are usually recorded. BlackRock is a trading name of BlackRock Investment Management UK Limited. In Singapore, this is issued by BlackRock Singapore Limited, co-registration number 2000-10143N. In Hong Kong, this material is issued by BlackRock Asset Management North Asia Limited and has not been reviewed by the Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong. In Australia, issued by BlackRock Investment Management Australia Limited, ABN 13-006-165-975-AFSL, 230-523-BIMAL. The material provides general information only and does not take into account your individual objectives, financial situation, needs, or circumstances. In Latin America, this material is for educational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice nor an offer or solicitation to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any shares of any fund. No securities regulators in Latin America have confirmed the accuracy of any information contained herein. The provision of investment management and investment advisory services is a regulated activity in Mexico, thus is subject to strict rules. 
For more information on the investment advisory services offered by BlackRock Mexico, please refer to the Investment Services Guide, available at www.blackrock.com mx. Copyright 2019, BlackRock, Inc. All rights reserved. BlackRock is a registered trademark of BlackRock, Inc. All other trademarks are those of their respective owners.